Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for February 18th, 2017. Koyo here. So very, very glad you joined us. I was going to talk about mentioning about spring and buds coming out and everything, but I'm going to wait on that. I found out that our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is going to talk about and uh, I said, oh, I'm, well, uh, you can learn a lot from our pets. And um, I was thinking about a story that I shared with uh, one of our lay minister classes. And um, it's sort of a takeoff on uh, one of my father father's favorite He's written a, what's called a tanzaku, which is a certain size of a cardboard. Uh, you can write calligraphy on it, and then it could be mounted on a tanzaku holder, put on the wall in uh, Japanese calligraphy. Uh, and uh, it's you know if, it, if you see a nice teaching okay, by a well-known, well <laughs> well-respected teacher. Uh, this is a common practice in the East. And um, every day is a good day. Yichimichi kore kojitsu is the reading in Japanese. And um, it's, uh, well, <laughs> what's the teaching there? Every day is a good day. Um, this is something that's not in the about the relative world. The relative world would be where you make a judgment and compare. Well, how can this be a good day? Or, you know, what kind of a statement is that? Um, it's something much more, much more beyond just uh, optimistic, you know, naive, superficial statement of optimism or something like this. What does what a good day mean? Good, not opposed to bad. This is where language really can mess us up sometimes. Um, what, what is a good day? What is absolute good? Sometimes we designate that by using a capital G, you know, versus a lowercase g when we spell good. The capitalized word means in the absolute sense. What does that mean? Huh? Uh, how do you get beyond making judgmental comparisons? And when you think about it, uh, not that there isn't different. There aren't differences in the world around us that we live in. You know, where there's all kinds of things that happen. And of course, we have our preferences. And, uh, but what is that teaching? Well, I'm, I'll talk about it after we hear about the Dharma Glimpse. So I'm going to go right, right straight to the Dharma Glimpse. Uh, I'd like to hear from Michelle Joyo. Um, 
she's part of the LM6 group. We're on 9 and 10 right now. And she and her husband are more secular since they went through the program. Uh, she, she went through the program a couple of years after. More secular since they did. And they live in Florida. And they're very active in, locally with some sanghas there. And um, uh, they've been active in our lay minister's uh, resource group, the Trailblazers. So let's hear from Michelle Joyo-sensei. Thank you, sensei. So anyone who has ever heard me give a Dharma glimpse before will have heard me talk about my dog, Faust. Faust is not just a pet, uh, not just a member of the family, but also a really incredible teacher, which is why he ends up featured in my Dharma glimpses so often. Um, He was a wonderful, terrible, obnoxious, amazing, disobedient, (laughs) willful, funny, loving dog. And he had the biggest personality I've ever seen on a pet before in my life. Faust, unfortunately, got cancer. And there was just no way to treat because it was too far advanced. Uh, So he died last November. And I struggled with that a lot. Um, It was something that I felt a little bit guilty about. Well, I felt a lot guilty about. And it was something that was very hard because, you know, he was a part of my life for, you know, 15 years. Now, I wanted to do something special for him because, you know, he was my, you know, my dog, my family member, etc. after all. So I didn't know if there was anything that Buddhists did for their pets when they died. You know, I know there are things that they do for people, but I'd never been to a Buddhist pet funeral. I'd never heard of a Buddhist pet funeral. So I didn't even know if that was a thing. Um, So I did the thing that I did when my father died. I called the abbot of my temple and I said, my dog died. Um, What now? Well, I went up to the temple to see him and we discussed this and We talked about it, and he said, absolutely, there is such a thing as pet funerals, and they do them all the time. And, in fact, the king of Thailand, um, who had recently died himself, uh, was so fond of dogs. He had some of his own that were pets, and he was so fond of them that he had declared that anyone who would do harm to a dog... It was the same as doing harm to the king himself. Which I thought was a really nice lesson. You know, that the king of Thailand recognized that there was so much similar and so little different between uh, the lowest born, you know, among us, which are animals, and the highest born among us, which are kings. So we went to the temple... We weren't really sure what to expect, but, you know, we again, we'd never seen anything like this before. We didn't really have any guidance on what we would be seeing there. And my 
internet searches had only resulted in a lot of people basically telling me I'd done the wrong thing. Um, so I went to the temple, Morris went to the temple, and we had some friends who came with us. And it was a really lovely ceremony, but as it was unfolding, I noticed something. I noticed that it was very, very familiar to me. And it was so familiar because it was the exact same service that I'd seen just a couple years before when he had done it for my father. And it was the exact same service that I'd seen so many times when members of the temple had died. And it was the same service that he had done himself for the king of Thailand. So this monk, my abbot, had given my dog the same funeral service, the same care, the same love, the same respect that he had given for his own king. Now this is something that we don't get to see very often. We don't get to see people treating um, people who are considered lower class or lower caste or you know, lower somehow in the food chain or the pecking order, the same as people who are at the highest levels. And it reiterated what I had thought of earlier when I heard the king, you know, had made this decree about dogs. It reiterated that we are all the same. We do all have Buddha nature. And it emphasized for me that we really do need to work on treating everyone the same and treating everyone equally with respect and with dignity. It was a good lesson for me. It was the final lesson I had from Faust. He's still still one of my best teachers. And I've learned so much from him just as I've learned from all of my other teachers. And so with that, I want to say thank you, and I hope you all treat each other in even half as well as uh, my dog was treated in his life. Thank you all so much. Till next time. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh... <clears throat> I thought of several things that I listened as I listened to the Dharma uh, glimpse, and it takes us humans a while to catch up with uh, or, uh, raising our consciousness is one way to put it. But um, pet memorials to formalize it. Many, many temples now have an annual pet memorial. And I think it just sort of spontaneously started at a lot of different temples at a certain time. And I remember when we started it back in the, um, I guess it was in the 80s. But the outpouring was so tremendous. Uh, People, we said, well, People could bring their uh, photos. Now, this is particularly in the the East, maybe in the Japanese culture, where uh, Japanese uh, uh, 
Dodo Shinshu temples uh, in particular, but they're influenced by the the East in general that old ages revered and and uh, sometimes it's mistakenly called ancestor worship, but to to have memorial services for family members that passed away, to remember the interdependency, to remember the uh, what what the previous generation uh, did for us. I mean, this is very big. Maybe stems from goes back to. Chinese, Confucian, uh, things and all that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I think it's a beautiful thing. We in the West should uh, follow suit, you know, and um, uh, formally observe memorial services for family members. (laughs) We have Memorial Day. We honor our armed services and all these kind of things, and uh, but anyway, that kind of awareness can be and can include our precious animal. And indeed, in uh, our home, uh, we did home service. <laughs> we lost, we had, you know, lost a lot of pets. And with my father being a minister, he'd, oh, you know, gotta have service. So I grew up that way, and. Uh, really experienced um, the necessity, the, the you know, the comfort the, uh, that observing those kind of things takes place. And I was, I was reminded once of when we first relocated to this area about eight, nine years ago, uh, I was invited to speak at the Fresno temple and uh, a temple president was giving me a tour of the area and driving around and and then she dropped me off at the resident minister's home and um, and as she pulled up into his driveway and uh, she happened to mention I'm really glad she did but she mentioned that uh, the reverend had uh, lost his uh, dog just recently, and and she said, and he cried. You know, um, she was privileged, like I said, as the temple president to to know this. And uh, <clears throat> um, so when I went into the to the home, and there was a home altar, and there was a leash there, and a collar. And, uh, you know, if I had not been primed this way, uh, even though, well, uh, sometimes we're hesitant to bring bring that kind of attention to those events, um, but I knew that if he, that if he really, that he must have been really affected. And so I honored that, and I, <laughs> and uh, and I probably would not have done so. I probably would, have, you know, if you were, if you, were, you know, notice uh, in a Buddhist home, a leash and a collar on the home altar, uh, you might not special significance to that. Okay? 
what I did. And I think uh, it was really appreciated. Um, So we have to uh, really extend our are respecting that uh, in all kinds of contexts and so forth. And uh, um, so I was remembering there when uh, Michelle Doyle was talking about the services you know, done for, well, you know, from the lowest to the highest in terms of the King of Thailand and or animal pets and so forth. But she said the exact same service. She mentioned that several times. That the, the exact same service was done. Uh, and and well, she was impressed with that fact. And that just triggered off a personal association of mine that um, Adrian's mother mentioned one time um, that when she had heard my father do do services for fam, family members, and she made the observation, she said that um, he said the same thing <laughs> at these services. Okay, that he says that all the uh, memorial or funeral services in part of his Dharma talk, and she noticed that he said the same thing. But her point was. First, she thought that that was sort of um, uh, cut and dried or repetitive or, you know, he says the same thing. I heard this, the same thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, but when it it was a family loved one's service, it, this was, she heard it a lot, you know, for friends and so forth. You, if that's where you go to, you do attend the service, okay? But it's not as impactful by the immediate family. And then she heard the same words that she had heard many times before. And it was so impactful. There is certainly a lesson to be learned there. Uh, That great teaching requires great listening. Or, you know, it's not like, hey, where's where's the great teaching? You don't, we don't have to search around for great teachings. We have to be the be the kind of receiver, the listener, the you know uh, that opens up to making things be impactful for us. That's that's a tremendous spiritual tool. Okie dokie. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going, and you have all. Uh...